0: all right what's up everybody welcome back to buddy walk with jesus as always as we get started we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply uh to keep up with everything going on check us out buddywalkwithjesus.com um and last but not least if you are in need of prayer do not hesitate to reach out prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com So this week um, you know one of the one of the recent familiar faces is back again Andrew is here um, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now from a legislative standpoint in America, and, and and honestly, some of it has just gone has just gone, um, kind of in the shadows a little bit under the under the shadow of the the really big things that have been going on and all of that. But that's I'm sure you'll get there. But <laughs> in, in full transparency, I I heard. Andrew and Brandon over on Ministry Misfits break down this biblical approach to resistance. And I heard this and and you know it's it's this weird dichotomy because part of you guys are are in America, part of you guys aren't, all of that. But there are themes to all of this that I think transcend the more specifically American problems that are going on right now. But we also need to spend some time talking about what exactly is happening stateside as well, because there's a lot of things that, that kind of need to be addressed with all of this. And so I want to give Brandon the open floor to to take us to a part of the conversation that we don't tend to go into we tend to focus here a little bit more on the relational side of things or the like these these different concepts and different things like that not so much of a current events geopolitics that sort of thing like That tends to not be where we camp. However, as I'm learning, in order to be effective in this world, you need to understand what's going on in the world. And so who better to explain these things than somebody who is endeavoring to approach them from a Christocentric point of view? So the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, so I'll have to go get Brandon if you want to give him the floor, but I think he just left for basketball, so I'll try to do it instead. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so a couple weeks ago, uh, Brandon and I did an episode talking two things. We talked what a biblical approach to our rights, legal rights are, And then what a biblical approach to government resistance actually is. And we, you know, the, the thing that anybody that has heard any of the other ones that I've been on knows is that I'm very much theology minded in terms of my, the way that we're talking about these things, even though that I am very methodology heavy. So you Know we deal with this stuff all the time over on Misfits. We did an entire thing on Cold War theology since apparently we named it. Um, you know, I had Joe Ash Thomas from International Justice Mission on, he and I did a full episode related to this kind of stuff. He also did a Patreon episode related to the stuff with me because, like, Brandon, or like, now I'm calling you Brandon. We need to just like re rename everybody Brandon here. Um You know, what Joe was just talking about as far as having to understand the world we're in to be able to understand how we're supposed to actually live in it. And so I'm going to quickly clarify what it is that we're actually talking about. So when we talk about rights, we're talking about moral or legal entitlements to have or obtain something or to act in a certain way. So from a govern, an American standpoint, there are two types. There are alienable rights that are conditional, and then there are inalienable rights, and those are ones that cannot be taken away. And so everybody knows from Declaration of Independence, Life, Liberty, Pursuit of Happiness. Those are the inalienable rights that apply to all of mankind. Alienable rights only apply to people that are American citizens. So if some of the stuff that we're talking about is like, that's not, that makes no sense. That's because you're probably not an American citizen. And so it, it won't make sense. Um, When we talk government resistance, we are literally just talking about any form of resistance, whether that's political or policy or peaceful or straight up force which that is something that transcends America. Everybody understands that sort of thing because if all you have to do is open a history book to see examples of that. Right. So the way that we kind of broke it down, and I'll try to do this quickly, is we defined what, well, we looked at what the Bible says about our individual rights first of all. And so the first thing we looked at was that we have no inalienable rights as it relates to our relationship with God. God does not, we have no right to do anything in relation to God naturally. That's Jeremiah 17, nine, that's Daniel chapter four. We don't have inalienable rights as it comes to our relationship with God, but God does grant inalienable rights to citizens of his kingdom. So this is, Salvation. You know, we can now boldly enter the sanctuary. We are able to pray to him and he will hear us. We are able to go out in his name. Now, God does give inalienable rights to humans in relationship with each other. So, all humans all have the same inalienable rights given by God, and we call this the Imago Dei. Everybody has worth and value and dignity because they are a creation of God. That cannot be taken away by any other person, even though we know full well that people try. From there, we get into what the government rights actually are, and this is what people actually care about. But if we don't understand the relationship with God and relationship with others, we can't understand our relationship to the government. And so the relationship to the government is that the that God is the one that gives governments the right to rule and establish other rights for their citizens. This is Jeremiah 29, Romans 13, Luke 20. We also see in scripture that we as individuals should use the rights that are given to us by earthly authorities, but we use them for the advancing of God's kingdom and not our own. And this is something that you and I talk about all the time on Kingdom on the Road. You talk about all the time here within Buddy Walk of our main purpose is to be advancing the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self. Right. And ultimately, we are not to value our personal rights over our neighbors. And this is the biggie that we're going to get into as we look at current events. Is that we do not value our personal rights over our neighbors. Now, when we get into government resistance stuff, we can find the same sort of things in Scripture as far as what it is about government resistance. So we know that God is the one that establishes governments. This is Jeremiah 29, Daniel 4 and 5, Genesis 50, Romans 13. Because of that, God is the one that gives government's authorities. And so by honoring the authority of the government, we in turn are honoring the authority of God. That's just a basic a basic logic thing. It also is what we see in Jeremiah 29 and the entire book of Daniel and in Titus chapter 3. And then we also are not supposed to harm those that God has anointed. And this applies both within a church setting and in a government setting. And we'll get into that a little bit. More later on. But the big thing. That we are going to start talking about. Is when are we actually supposed. To resist the government. And we have biblical. Constructs for that also. So Scripture's clear. That if the government. Violates the law of God. We are supposed to resist. That violation. That's. Pretty much the entire book of Daniel is Daniel doing that very thing. We also see that when it violates the inalienable rights that God has given us, so this is our imago Dei rights, as far as I am a human being and so I deserve to be treated as such, we are called to resist the government. How we do that, though, is where things come into question. And so we see this in Daniel, you know, in Daniel chapter one, Daniel resists the government by asking for a religious exemption, basically in eating the king's food. He doesn't say he will never do it. He doesn't put up a fight. He just says, we aren't supposed to do this. Can we just try something out here? If we're healthy at the end of this, that means that God is saying that we are not supposed to eat your food. If we are unhealthy at the end of this, or unfit is actually the word that he uses as hurts. the king gets to decide what's fit. If we are unfit in your eyes, then we know that God is saying it's okay to go about eating this food. And so it was a discernment type test there. Daniel chapter 2, Daniel goes to the king and honors the king by giving him the message. Daniel chapter three, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to bow down to the statue that Nebuchadnezzar makes, a violation of the law of God, is bowing down to a foreign idol. But in the midst of all of it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego acknowledge Nebuchadnezzar as the king. They also are willing to accept the consequences for their resistance. Daniel chapter 5, we have the opposite thing of Daniel knowing that Belshazzar is not God's chosen king anymore. And so he rebukes him fully and offers correction and calls him to repentance, but does not give him the title or authority or respect of king. And then in Daniel 6, it's the lion's den. Again, Daniel honors the king by accepting the consequences, but resists the call to not pray. You know, Ephesians chapter 6 is the armor of God. We know that we carry the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, but that is a defensive weapon, not an offensive weapon. The offensive part of this is prayer, and it is about praying for our enemies Matthew chapter 5, we talked about this for a long time within Kingdom on the Road as far as what the Beatitudes actually are. And it's all about giving up of ourselves and emptying of ourselves for the benefit of those around us and for the better and for the glory of God. So that was a very quick run through of what we talked about. But we need to have that kind of basis to be able to actually discuss what's going on around us right now. Right. Right.
0: And I'm glad that you clarified terms, so to speak, because I know for me, if there's anybody out there like me, you know, it's very tempting to, to just ignore it for the simple basis that you understand that it's, it's a lot of human stuff baked into that and human stuff has, has a way of coming with a nice heaping side of nonsense. Um, (laughs) And, and so you just kind of, you know, humans beyond nonsense and you move, you move on with your life sort of thing. But the reality is that when you have moments where these things crescendo into moments like yesterday, situations in the world that's yesterday was not the only example of this and i want to make sure that i'm not disrespecting anybody else that is going through things affected by things that are outside of just yesterday because there are other examples of this in recent memory but you see you see these things happen and just once all of the thunderous applause is done once all of the social media posturing is done and you look around you just see wreckage um just a a a lot of a lot of wreckage left in the left in the wake and so in order to be able to effectively be kingdom people i have come to the conclusion that it, it it bears benefit to spend some time sussing out a what the Bible is saying about these things because this is a theme in the which in the is old always Testament. a
1: good place to
0: go, <laughs> right? Exactly. And b how how that how that's that turns around and and affects our day to day within the
1: world that no we're not a part of but we are in. Right. And, you know, we, the first, the first time I was on was we, we had kind of alluded to one of the other major things that led to Brandon and I doing the episode we did. Because it was the day after Avaldi or like two days after Avaldi. Um, For those that don't know what we're talking about, that was a massive school shooting that happened in Avalde, Texas. Um, And what that sparked again for like the gazillionth time here in the U.S. was the conversation around the Second Amendment, which the Second Amendment is the right to bear arms. And so there's a bunch of different interpretations of it. And that's not why we're talking about it because we'd be here forever going through all the different interpretations of that. But the basic argument is that because of the amendment, there cannot be gun control. The opposite side of that argument is that that was good for a time, but it is no longer valid because of technology and the church Is caught, the American church is caught in the middle of that because of things like what we talk about misfits within Cold War theology of the fact that the politicization of the American theological church is so connected and wound together that there are actual Christians that believe that the rights of Americans trump everything else and that that is actually God's intended plan. And so because of that, the argument is that we cannot have gun restriction because if we do, we are restricting what God has given us. Doesn't matter how many people die because that's a sin thing. All that matters is that we have our rights. Right. Now, the flip side of that argument is what happened yesterday, where Ro- Roe versus Wade, which was in and Casey, which I can never remember the other part of the Casey one. Roe and Casey were both overturned by the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court said that the Constitution does not give any any kind of legality to abortion because it is not mentioned in any form and so the federal government cannot dictate abortion the states have to do that which is a whole thing about the way us government politics work and honestly even half the americans you talk to aren't actually going to know what it is but we don't have time to go through all of that either because the And we don't need to go into all of it. Because the reality is that biblically speaking, the church has the same mandate related to all of this stuff here in the U.S. and wherever else you may be listening to this. Because the call of the church has not changed from the time that Jesus went up to heaven in Acts chapter 1. But that is something that we don't talk about enough or well at least here in an American context. Throughout history it's been talked about a lot and it's been talked about well and even in certain parts of the world right now as we're recording this this discussion is happening among pastors that are meeting in caves. but for those of us that have the ability to do this sort of thing and broadcast our faith all over the internet for people to see it doesn't get talked about well if it even gets talked about at all
0: i don't think it's a uh, i don't think it's coincidence to look at where the highest concentration of people that are, that have the means and the ability and the access to broadcast their faith openly on the internet where most of us are from and why this isn't being talked about well or often.
1: Oh yeah. It's a hundred percent correlated. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, that's the cold war theology stuff. Yeah. You know, all the way around is that the, to be an American culturally, has normally meant you are a Christian by default, but that Christianity was never defined biblically. It was defined through the U.S. Constitution.
0: Yeah, and the reality is is that for for many people of our generation, um, we saw a more concentrated version of this from the generation that came before us. And that had a way of spawning, I mean, there's tons of offshoots, but generally speaking, and I'm speaking very much in generality here, not specifics. You have this generation of people that have rejected that. Everything that we just described, this this melding of, of Christian nationalism and all of those kinds of things. And then you have a whole new generation of people that this is the only thing that they were taught. This
1: perpetually. Well, I, I would change one thing: is that there's a generation of people that think they have divorced this stuff. But in reality, they have just latched on to the newest branding of it. Yeah, and- I. When, and I'll clarify for your audience also, when I talk church, unless I get super specific, I refer, when I say that I'm talking church culture and specifically the majority of the time I'm talking American church culture, not necessarily individual churches, because there are individual churches that do this stuff well. And like you said, have actually divorced this stuff out. But generationally as a culture, there's a group, there are some of us that have been, know that this is what we've been taught and have tried to call it out and divorce it. And then there's a whole nother subsect since 2014. Well, actually, no, since 2001 is where I'll put the, the dots. Since 2001, and then again in 2008, there have been new streams of the same old thing that have been circulating around and that gets eaten up like it's candy. And that was largely due to the reaction of September 11th, and then the reaction of Barack Obama being elected president. Those two things recirculated the same stuff just with a new flavor. And then we saw the results of all of it coming together in 2016 and then especially in 2021. Which is a whole nother topic for another time. (laughs) Because we can get real deep real quick. Um,
0: Yeah, so... Come on, why? So, so yeah, to, to clarify, you know, unfortunately, I wish some of these things that we are talking about were hyperbole or dramatized for, you know, for clicks. It would almost be a little less heartbreaking. If we were if we were trying to turn the volume up on this thing, but this volume is high enough on its own. And
1: the the ironic thing, though, is that we're accused of doing that.
0: Yeah, that's so part of why I ran the experiment with you guys to start the process of exploring what a misfit is. Is to expose the fact that I wanted. I wanted to expose the uh, a, a very specific side of what it is that we do and what it is that we get ourselves into by talking about the things that we talk about. Um, that that this is not by by our contemporaries. We are not trying to sing our sad song because this is just us living out what we are called to do. It's about shining a light on the fact that I in the court of public opinion, with our with our contemporaries in mind, we're not the popular ones here. We aren't right. the ones we, we are swimming upstream in a lot of regards while still while still saying things that are applicable to an international audience as well. And so its it's a, it's a weird in-between. To address everything in a way that's relevant to everybody, so so yes, that was a lot of words as far as describing the current state of things, or at least the preamble into the current state of things. But you have to set the table too, and that was they, they over over on Commuter Christian they walked through this very purposefully in more long form detail. Yeah, if you this want is-
1: detail details. The first place to go would be ministrymisfits.com. And under the Theology 101 tab, there's a thing for Cold War Theology. Brandon and I did an episode on it. We actually did pretty much a series on it because we started with church history and worked our way through. We're in the middle of writing some stuff for it brother Matthew is trying to wrap his head around it. And so he's had me doing a bunch of this stuff over on commuter Christian, where we're kind of breaking it down into bigger chunks. The, the basic thing that for this discussion that you've got to understand with it is that culturally the United States has been founded upon the idea that they were that we are different than the rest of the world right? and that we are different because of a manifest destiny that God gave the founders. And that because of that, if you are American, that means you also are Christian and that America was founded as a Christian nation the reality of history is that all of that is bunk and that there's not a single shred of evidence or truth for any of it, but it has because of history, specifically the cold war where it was the um, America versus the Soviet union. The Soviet union was communist. They were atheists. And they hated democracy, and so to be an American, that meant if you were a patriot, that means you hated communism, and that means you hate atheism. And if you hate atheism, then you must be a Christian to do your patriotic duty. Yeah, and that is the stuff that never has actually left the American culture, even among secularism.
0: Yeah, but so especially about the church. So it's important. I, I want to before we switch back over into getting into kind of the manifestation of this yesterday and all of those kinds of things, and going more into into what we're talking about here. Um, when you guys hear me reference church, generally speaking, I'm talking about the collective. I'm talking large C in in regard and i'm talking about the actual like christ followers i'm talking about the like the people who fit the bill what andrew's talking about is a cultural status that has that has been associated in this country with your citizenship um for a long time for time of memoriam we'll put it like that and so you'll have you'll have to keep that keep that thesaurus in mind as we continue on, because what you're going to hear Andrew say is going to sound real weird in comparison to what you normally hear me say. Again, defining terms is something that you kind of have to do when you talk about American politics and religion.
1: Or yeah, as I say, anything American, because we have six different meanings for every English word and they're all spelled differently and they don't read correctly. So yeah, but yeah, you know, going into what we're actually talking about as far as rights and resistance, having the understanding that the American culture has associated themselves with a God-given constitution Mm -hmm. puts personal rights at the forefront of everything. You know, the American history, if you don't know, has had a lot of ups and downs related to this also, because there's been, you know, we literally fought a war with each other over whether it was the federal government or the state that got to decide things. You know, it was mostly racially motivated, but even that war was trying to decide states versus federal, you know, again, Cold War was an expansion of the federal government part of what Trump got elected for was cuz he was going to try to minimize the federal government again, at least that's what he claimed. You know, all of these sort of things, this has always been a big piece. And it actually has led even to denominations being formed. You know, the the Puritans came to America looking to establish their own religious rights because they were being persecuted by the Anglicans and in in England but here they started persecuting other people that weren't believing the same way that they did and so you know we get the the state of Pennsylvania but the Quaker movement came out of the Puritan non-rights that were given to people and the Quakers were all about free rights and peace and everything else The Baptists came out of the Puritan movement because they wanted to have a separation of church and state. The church should mandate the church, the state should mandate the state, and they should not intermingle. Which is still what we see today within those denominations. That's that's still their main goal. But how we deal with those rights as a church... And again, we're saying church culture, as a church culture, how we address these rights has never really been dealt with effectively because of the American culture behind it and the, the idealizing of our rights. And so for somebody to say... I'm willing to give up my right to own a weapon and defend myself if it means I can save some kids from having to worry about doing shooter drills at the school. Well, that's an un-American ideal because you don't give up your rights. That's what Americans do is we don't give up our rights. Well, as a believer, what I see Christ do is he gives up his right as God and comes down To man to save us. And as a man. He gives up of himself freely over to death. The same thing when we start talking. Other areas within the idea of government resistance. America was founded. A lot like most countries. But a little bit different. America was founded. By resisting a tyrannical government. So the idea of giving in. To government tyranny, and I'm using air quotes there. Giving into government tyranny is un-American because if we didn't give in to government tyranny, we would just be Canada. Shout out to any of your Canadian listeners, because normally they find that joke hilarious. So, you know. <laughs> for those that don't know, I kept my I did a recording earlier today and kept my soundboard up just for Joe. So, you know, these these sort of things, when we talk about it from a church perspective, cannot be talked about separate from American culture because of the fact that it's the very basis of who we are as a country. And that is why we have... This weird dynamic going on right now in relation to yesterday with the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Because you have some Americans that are saying, my rights were just taken away by the government. Right. You have some Americans saying, rights were just given back to us by the government. You have some Americans saying, who cares about the right? to do any of this look at the situation that these kids are being born into you have others saying who that situation they did themselves capitalism bootstraps we just they just have to do better and all of these conversations are not just happening in the media they are happening within our churches because we don't have a unified view of what individual, what our rights are. And we don't have a unified view as what tyranny is. And we don't have a unified view of how we as Christians are actually supposed to act in relation to government authority. Regardless of what your views are on abortion... The abortion conversation actually is not as the important piece of what is going on with yesterday, even though that's what we try to make it. And you and I had this discussion in the group chat of the fact that it's very interesting how both sides of the debate are claiming this as a religious victory or as a defeat from a religion. When the court documents that were handed down have nothing to do with religion and everything to do with Amendment 8, Amendment 14, and states' rights. But everybody associates it with the church has done this. God has spoken on this. And we as believers believe that, but not in the way that is being broadcasted right now.
0: It's probably one of the most jarring things about all of this, right, is you look at the reality of the situation as it sits and you see how many people chalk this up to purely a religious or spiritual win.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And also, like, there's a whole section of this that says, you know, the the interpretation that yesterday was about no more no more abortions like we're suddenly not going to have any more abortions ever or you know the litany of people that you know th- days before this you know the government saying that um, in- individualized states shouldn't have the ability to be able to control gun laws right but they can control this. What are right. you, what are you telling, what are you telling women about their worth? I'm, I'm not, and this is not, again, right. understand where I'm coming from. I'm, there's a reason why I'm considered too conservative
1: for some. This is not right. like and This I'm is way out on the branch here. Discussion. This is the real discussion, is that you and I are making the statement that abortion is immoral, but so is not, protecting children outside of the womb and not protecting the mothers of those children that are already outside of the womb. And that is a conversation that outside of an American concept is not an issue. But within an American construct and unfortunately within an American evangelical construct those two things can't go together. Because if you start talking about health care, or you start talking about gun control, or you start talking about anything, oh, you're just trying to turn us into communists. And again, now it's a you're outside of the gospel because you are an atheist trying to push communism. And on the flip side, if you try to say, well, you know, killing an unborn child is immoral, and we need to protect that. Uh, well, now you are just some fundamentalist religious extremist that's trying to tear down our democracy because you don't care about democracy. All you care about is turning this into Handmaid's Tale, which is a literal argument that I see all the time from people when the reality is that where, where scripture sits is in the middle of that. All humanity is made in the image of God. And so we all should react to humanity with that in mind. And so it doesn't matter what the government says about my worth. I know that my worth comes from my creator. You know, For the woman that is worried now about what she's going to do because this law potentially criminalizes her because of a genetic defect. What the government says about you does not matter because God has already given you worth. And this is where government resistance actually is supposed to take place is when the government is trying to violate the law of God, which we would argue that the government trying to mandate abortion is a violation of the law of God. But we also would say that the government is in violation of the law of God when they are trying to dictate the Imago Dei, in a way that is not a biblical understanding of who God made us to be. This is why the church should be at the forefront when an unarmed black man gets gunned down. This is why the church should be at the forefront when the government tells women that all they are good for is making babies. This is why the church should be at the forefront when babies are being threatened. This is why the church should be at the forefront when immigrants are being caged and housed and separated from their families. Because those are not political issues. Those are issues of an image bearer is being oppressed for the image that they bear. And that image is God. And so our call as believers is to go to their aid, regardless of the consequences. We are called to go to their aid. Even if those consequences do harm to us, we are still called to do it. And now is where
0: we get into very familiar territory for the buddy walk community. Now what you're talking about, because there's, there's a, there's a contingent of people that hear that and they say, okay, my worth from this external thing. Unfortunately, in this country, we still, we still have a whole generation of people that are healing from the wounds of the church, calling their worth into question because of past mistakes. Then you have government trying to get their two cents in on the matter and so on and so forth. And, and that's without getting into any personal relationships or anything else like that. We're just, we start there, unfortunately. Now, we have to address the elephant in the room because there's a whole contingent of people that are listening to this that are going to hear that and say, okay, but what about for those of us that actually do have to face things like not being public about my faith? Otherwise, that could mean a death sentence. Right. You know what I mean? There's there, this is one of those unique situations where there's a lot of different voices that are represented in hearing what it is that you're saying, and that that is the beauty of what what I think can happen when you have these different topics. Yes, part of this is is like I said, unfamiliar territory for the show, but when you have these different perspectives, you can take the ball and go different places with it and
1: so and so for the person that just being a christian is a violation of a government mandate you're you are a citizen of the kingdom first and a citizen of that other country second And so that's the first thing that has to be understood is that we are citizens of, you know, this is part of the reason why when I went through all those verses, the majority of them come from Daniel and Jeremiah, because we as a, as a church, and I'm talking universal now, as a church, we are in exile. You know, we are not in our homeland and we are waiting to be called home. And so Jeremiah and Daniel give us very good understanding of how we are supposed to live in exile. You know, when we, you as a believer that has to keep your faith hidden, you are not denying Christ by not being super public and coming on buddy walk with jesus and declaring yourself a christian first and foremost don't let people tell you that you are less of a believer or that you are doing something wrong by hiding it from the government you know rahab was honored for hiding the jewish spies you know, there, there is a history throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament of believers violating a human law in order to advance the gospel. And I think maybe it was when I was on your show before. You know, I, I have an international network that covers pretty much every, every square inch of the globe. And so I've talked with a lot of people, missionaries, local missionaries that have that are in these sort of situations. And one of the things that Americans don't understand about the world is that our idea. And again, it comes back to the way that we were founded. The morality as it relates to government law is not black and white. Because sometimes the godly thing to do is to bribe the authorities to look the other way. The godly thing to do is to lie in the faces of government officials about what you have in the trunk of your car, to lie to officials about what even nationality you are in order to be able to enter a village. Right. That is not violating the law of God. That is doing the work that God has given you. And this is part of, but at the same token of all of that, when it does come down to if you are found out and now you face the wrath of the government. And this comes down, this is not just in relation to that. This also is in relation to something that American Christians need to understand if they want to claim that they are resisting a tyrannical government. Is that what we see from Daniel? What we see from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What we see from the entire book of Jeremiah? What we see from the examples of the apostles and Acts? is that the government has the right to kill us and that is a god-given right that's romans 13 the the government carries the sword for a reason and part of our responsibility as believers in all this is to literally count the cost Me being a Christian in this country equals a death penalty. I have to be okay with that. Because again, we are citizens of the kingdom first and citizens of this other country second. It doesn't make it easy. But that is the biblical understanding of what it means to resist the government is that the government has their authority from God. And when they violate that law of God and the authority of God, our job as citizens of the kingdom is to call them out on that. But we also understand that they have the authority from God. And so they can kill us, imprison us, take our property, take our passports, kick us out, exile us all of these different things, they have the authority from God himself to do that. And that's okay. You know, the one of the greatest sections of scripture is what I refer to as the Shadrach response. And Shadrach gets the name and we don't know why, but he gets the credit for it. It's in Daniel chapter three, when the king gives them one last chance to bow to his statue. Shadrach says, you know, we will not bow down to the statue that's just the basic thing we're not going to bow down even if you kill us and he says that the god that we serve has the power to save us from this fire and even if he doesn't we will not bow down and we will not worship your idol and in the process he also refers to him still as O King O King even if you kill us our God is bigger than all of this and he can save us but even if he doesn't he is still God and he is still good that is what the role of a believer is supposed to be within a kingdom is it doesn't matter what you do to us our God is still God and he is still on his throne you know, this is why Paul uses his Roman citizenship to address the emperor of the world with the gospel. Even though he knows that in doing so, his head is probably going to be coming off. Because he, had, he knew that within the system that God had placed him, he had rights from an earthly kingdom to demand an audience. And then he used that audience to call that king to the higher authority, regardless of what the consequences were to him. And so for believers that are in that kind of situation now, you're going to eventually come to a time where you have to decide, do I go public with this now or not? And if you decide not to, don't feel like you have just betrayed the Messiah, but don't let your fear prevent you from having the opportunity to reach the person that God has placed in front of you either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it in a nutshell, you know, and that's, That that doesn't get a nice buttoned up explanation because that's that's complicated. And I think that that's the best you can you can do when you when you've had an opportunity to have these kinds of conversations with people and you've seen a, a look into the real life of it all and not like the Hollywoodized version of it. You realize just how complicated it all is and the fact that it is that level of nuanced. And so the one thing that I that I I want to I want to drive home here is what we're talking about. And the whole reason why we even talk about it is that while these things have different manifestations depending on where you're from, depending on your situation and your circumstance and different things like that the the tenants of what we're talking about don't change they right. don't they they do not shift um there there is a constant nature to it and so just remembering that as we move forward is paramount as we try and figure out what all of this looks like, because it's only going to get more complicated.
1: And, and for, for those of us here, yesterday is a perfect example of how complicated this actually is going to get. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people that are looking at this as, Oh good. We're getting our morality back. Yeah. Yeah. When in reality, it is exposing the true hearts of, of a lot of believers. As far as what their morality. Actually is based in. Yeah. Because. You know. The the memes that I see. That show. You know. Showing the reaction from the world. To this thing as. Oh hose, hose be mad. Yeah. Or now you can't sleep around. With whoever you want. Shows. A complete ignorance of the realities of a lot of people within their own communities. And so the unfortunate part of the blog that I wrote is my concern over yesterday is that we are going to see the exact same thing that American history saw post Juneteenth that we just celebrated this past week of where reconstruction quote unquote is actually just a hyperized discrimination and abuse and it's government mandated and that the church is going again, culture church is going to find itself at a high point of power within it. And that we are going to hear the same phrases that we hear about racism of, oh, racism ended in 1965. To, oh, well, that stuff ended in 2022. Meanwhile, the kids in our neighborhood still don't have any food unless the school is providing it. Exactly. And that is the stuff that we as believers need to look at when it comes time to vote. Is that if I have to vote for something that benefits my community, but takes away my rights or that potentially causes me harm or raises my taxes or takes away resources from me, But that is going to benefit the community at large, then that is the correct decision, regardless of how it affects me. Right. And that is what Christ compels us to do, because that's exactly what he did.
0: All right. Let the people know where they can find more materials if they want to know more about all of this stuff.
1: Yeah. So if you want the full version of the rights and resistance stuff, it's like episode 53, I think. I don't know because our numbers are never right. Um, it's You can find all that ministrymisfits.com. Um, you can find out the Cold War Theology stuff there. You can find out our episode for rights and resistance on there you can find the blog that we were referencing in relation to yesterday on there. Um, yeah, you pretty much can find everything on there. If you're on Twitter, come, f- come have some fun with me over there. Um, it's at ministry misfit. Um, and I use fun and air quotes because in reality,
0: it's a trap.
1: So, um, and that was just for, just for Joe. Cause he was really hoping I'd find a way to work that into his show. I'm sure.
0: Yep. Ha ha ha.